Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode eight of season five of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalog, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, I wanted to give you all another quick update on the merchandise situation, uh, in case you're not on social media. Um, after rebranding all the merch as 898 Authentic Rock and Roll, the estate was happy for me to continue selling those designs. Um, so I wanted to give a very quick shout out to all of you who contacted me voicing your support for what I'm doing with this merch. Um, you know who you are, and it means an awful lot. Um, I will have more designs coming out over the next weeks and months, and I might even branch out to do other bands. I'll uh, think about that, but I think that might be a way I go with as well. Another quick shout out to my pal and co-host John Paulson, who's featured as the last DJ on Sirius XM's Tom Petty Radio this week. Um, debuted on Monday, and if you haven't heard that yet, tune in, um, check it out. It's a great little set list, and John does a fantastic job of describing why the songs are important to him in different ways. Um, I'll post those airing times for you on social media, um, and also add a link to the playlist of songs that John chose uh, in the episode notes. One last note, I, I wanted to say another thanks to all of you for the positive feedback you give me. Um, social media isn't always a pleasant place, we all know that, um, but I've yet to have a troll or a really snarky or offside comment on anything I've posted, really, which I think is pretty unusual. Uh, my friends Corey and Mark over at the um, and the podcast will rock, Van Halen podcast, were getting some grief on Twitter this week because they're not quote-unquote experts on Van Halen. It's completely unfair criticism, as they say that they aren't, right off the top, um, but what they are is a pair of truly top-level podcasts who put their heart and soul into a project dedicated to a band that they love and they've come up with a brilliantly engaging format um, and I know how much these guys put into the podcast so I always feel fiercely defensive of them anytime people start sniping and thankfully it is fairly rare but it did make me again incredibly grateful for all of you and your kindness and support so please accept my very genuine thanks and appreciation and also go check out Corey and Mark on and the podcast will rock because it is a fantastic podcast um, anyway on with today's episode uh, today we are kicking off side two of Long After Dark with We Stand a Chance. And as always, go give the song a listen before we get started. You will find a link to the track in the episode notes. And once I'm done rambling with my thoughts and opinions, maybe go back and check the song out again to see if there's anything that resonates with you. We Stand a Chance is one of two songs from Long After Dark that was recorded at the old RCA Studios on Sunset Boulevard. The lot now houses the Los Angeles Film School, but was the site where a lot of great records were made, including the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, and the Elvis classic, Always On My Mind. So that's a pretty heady pedigree. The first part of the intro to this one is a little unusual for the Heartbreakers to this point, in that it doesn't take the form of part of the verse or the chorus, uh, but instead plays a two-bar, single-note, ascending pair of notes. Benmont plays a really low octave piano note, how he matches it on the bass, and Stan thumps the kick drum and cymbal to give those eight beats a really deep, menacing quality. No chords needed here, just those two notes, F sharp and A. After that, the intro picks up the chord progression from the verse in a, in a more typical fashion. We get a, a trademark Stan Lynch drum fill into that main lick, but he plays it mainly on the floor tom before hitting a single snare to punch into that full verse progression. So it's a little different to how he might usually bring us in with, you know, snare, tom, snare, or snare, tom, tom, tom. Um, the other thing I noticed about the intro is, if you listen really carefully at the 14, 15 second mark, there's some sort of spoken gibberish in the background. I'd love to know what the heck that was and who it was. 
And I do like it when producers leave those little bits of studio noise in because it gives it more of a sort of a live, sort of spontaneous feel. The other thing you immediately notice with this song is the really greasy guitar tone. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom tells Paul Zolo that I'm playing through a very little 10-inch amp that was really overdriven, so it had this particular distortion. It's that really harsh buzzsaw tone that gives this song its personality, along with those double-time piano stabs. Tom actually tells Paul Zolo that he wrote this one on piano, but played the only guitar part on the song with Mike playing organ. So again, one guitar part is a pretty definite sonic change for the Heartbreakers, certainly in terms of arrangement. There's also some additional percussion in the intro too, with some shakers that become really pronounced on Stan's fill into the first verse. Heading into that first verse, you get another little thing I missed the first few dozen times that I've listened to this song. On the one count of that first verse, there's a loud distorted guitar note that's sustained for four beats before the main biting guitar riff kicks back in. There are only two chords, B minor and A, throughout the verses, for four bars each, with the minor section being those straight-stabbed root fifth chords, and the major section being fuller, with the third being added and a little transition note added here and there. During the minor chord section, you can hear Stan playing a kick-snare pattern that's basically the same one that would be used in free-falling later, just sped up. We also get hand claps in the major key part of the verse um, on the and-four counts. And Stan also switched to the bell of his ride cymbal on the count to add some melodic shine to that rhythm section. The chorus changes the mood of the song with the guitar being dropped back in the mix a little and Benmont playing broken piano chords over the progression uh, with Mike's organ part coming in. And that part is really noticeable during the lead back into the second verse. For the second four bars of the chorus, Stan switches to a syncopated half-time beat and then fills back out to the verse progression. Tom's vocal in this one is it's almost like an inverted refugee where he's you know really torturing his vocal in the chorus but using that more crooning delivery in the verses. With this song, it's the opposite, with him really pushing that edge to his voice in the verses before dropping into that cleaner, mid-registered delivery for the chorus. And his delivery on that first line of the second verse, oh God, is the highlight of this song for me. It really pushes an octave above the root of the melody and it's followed by that sloppy sort of falling down the stairs, descending run on knows I love you. And it really adds emphasis to what he's singing. The guitar in the second verse is different from the first slightly, with Tom straying from those straight stabs and playing around the octave a little more. And again, he aggressively pushes the song into the second chorus by opening up the chords and not muting them. And this underpins the line, talk to you, talk to you, which is again delivered with plenty of petty sauce. The second chorus is basically a carbon copy of the first before we head back into that verse progression. But this one is a little bait and switch as we only get two bars of that B minor before the bridge changes the mood of the song completely to a real major key positivity. The bridge also see those chunky chugged guitar stabs transform into a much area open chord approach. Stan and Howie going to a straight backbeat time and Benmont dancing around the root and suspended chords in a higher octave. This middle eight is actually eight bars and is again just a very subtle structural difference where the verse stays on one chord for four bars, then switches to the second for four bars, this section switches every two bars. So you have a D major, G major pairing every four bars. The lyrics are only sung on the first two bars of each four. We've also talked a little bit in the past about song structure. So that typical A, B, A, B, C, B, you know, so verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, uh, chorus. That format is flipped here, and we get A, B, A, B, C, B, C, B, A. I love it. You might be expecting a guitar solo next, and that would fit with the standard rock template and would also be congruent with where the Heartbreakers would often take a song leading out of the bridge, or into it. Uh, but we stand a chance to go straight back into that chorus. After that chorus, we head into another verse, a chorus to fade, 
Nope. As I said, with that um, with that song structure, Tom instead repeats the bridge. And this time, Stan gets really funky on the tubs, throwing in a ton of syncopated drumming, just ever so slightly behind the beat in the second half. After this, we go back into the chorus again, and then the song fades out around the verse progression, with Tom adding in the refrain from the chorus with some additional lyrics thrown in. The hand claps and shakers are also added back, much more fully in this section, and we get Mike Campbell showing off on the organ. I'd be curious to hear what instrument it is that he's actually playing, because to me it almost sounds like a farfisa, but that's not listed in the liner notes, so if I ever am able to ask anyone about that, I'll, I'll definitely uh, try and clarify that, because I want to know, and maybe you do too. Tom also adds in some lead guitar uh, in the outro, um, which would have been, you know, it was fairly unusual at this point in the Heartbreakers' career because Mike took all the lead guitar. So, but with Tom being the only uh, guitar on this this track, obviously it's him playing the lead. <laughs> All right, folks, it's that time again. Yep, it's time to put on your thinking caps and get ready for some petty trivia. Your question from two weeks ago um, was this. During the Heartbreakers' 1997 Fillmore residency, they covered a James Bond theme song on 10 of the 20 nights. Can you tell me which Bond movie that song was from? Is it A, Moonraker, B, Goldfinger, C, Live and Let Die, or D, The Spy Who Loved Me? Well... The answer was B, Goldfinger. Recorded in 1964 by Dame Shirley Bassey, the track was produced by George Martin, with music by John Barry, who also wrote the James Bond theme tune, um, and most of the music for James Bond for, I think, about 18 years or something, um, with lyrics with Leslie Bricuse and Anthony Newley. And Tom's version is included on the upcoming Fillmore 1997 box set in either the 4CD or 6LP editions. You know, the Heartbreakers covered over 100 bands during their shows through the years. And as Dan Spice remarked during last week's episode, you could make a strong argument that they're the greatest cover band of all time, as well as one of the greatest original bands of all time. And not many can lay claim to that sort of repertoire, that's for sure. So your question for this week is this. Which of the following facts about Gainesville, Florida is not true? A, it is home to the University of Florida, which is the fourth largest public university in the US by enrollment. B, Tech company Shazam was founded in Gainesville in 2006 by resident Josh Greenberg. C, the town's population has more than quadrupled since Tom was born there. Or D, Gainesville's record temperature has, ironically, never hit 105 degrees. Okay, back to the song. I've talked about Tom's delivery in this one already a little bit, and that it sounds like uh, you know an inversion of Refugee to me. It's also another good example of how Tom's intonation and phrasing is it's basically uncopyable. This one's actually a misheard lyric for me for a while, or it was a misheard lyric for a while. I thought that the first time he sings We Stand a Chance in the chorus, that he was singing We Stand in the Shadows. And it's because he throws in what I can only really describe as grace syllables to the phrasing. You know, in music, grace notes are notes that aren't really played fully, but are just lightly touched on and are often used on, you know, guitar, piano, and especially on drums. So it's so difficult to emulate Tom's delivery because of his attention to that sort of detail and his chameleon-like vocal dexterity. I didn't talk much, or really at all, actually, about what how he's doing on this track. And that's not because it's not important, 
But again, it's a really straight bass part, sitting on the root notes on top of the kick drum and adding in some broken chord transitions between bars. It's a solid part that sits behind that twin guitar and vocal attack and doesn't really need to do any of the heavy lifting in the song. We Stand a Chance was never played live from what I can find online, and maybe this is because of the unusual arrangement of having Tom play the soul guitar, Mike play organ, and Ben Monton piano. And Tom tells Paul Zolo that Jimmy Iovine was really keen on that song, and we thought it might be the one that people focused on, but it turned out to be You Got Lucky instead. And I think the two songs, they almost sort of dovetail somewhat in terms of the, you know, the moody, ominous tone that they employ, but then there's a juxtaposition of the lyrics, where You Got Lucky is Tom playing a character who deems himself to be above his target. This song is very much more hopeful, if slightly forlorn. And as always, it has a killer Tom Petty line in it that no one else would have written. My whole world is a fountain of flame. That is a hell of a way to describe someone in the throes of passion. Okay, folks, that's all for this week. Um, we Stand a Chance is it's a great way to open the second side of an album. Tom and the boys had a knack for starting side two strong. I need to know, don't do me like that, we're side two openers, and hey, those are pretty great songs. And there's more than enough going on here to make me really curious as to why this was never dusted off for a few outings on tour. And as I said, maybe it's because of you know who played what on the song. Maybe it's the guitar tone that Tom got through that, that he couldn't reproduce live or maybe it was just another victim of a burgeoning catalogue of incredible songs coupled with an insane library of covers to pull from regardless this is a really tight well-written album track and i'm going to give it a seven out of ten it never really blows your socks off but sonically it's different enough again from other tracks in the album and i do love that bait and switch with the bridge chorus bridge chorus I found a pretty cool cover of the song done by Darlene Love, um, who many of you will know as the original singer of Christmas Baby Please Come Home and as the wife of Danny Glover's character in the Lethal Weapon film series. And I'll leave a link uh, to that one as well in the episode notes. Please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine in many different ways, and please do so if you have the means. As always, I've kept a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes, and we'll keep doing that for as long as it's necessary. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, and you can check out all the shows over there on the growing network on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. There's podcasts about, you know, it's mainly rock and metal, um, but there are some fantastic people, um, including T-Bone Mathley um, his, with T-Bone's Prime Cuts, a fantastic guy who's sort of the godfather of this whole, this whole network, really, um, and who is going through some difficult personal stuff at the moment. So everyone on the Deep Dive Podcast Network wishes you nothing but the best, man, and we hope you pull through this and you're back with us podcasting and, and being yourself. So get better soon, dude. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project and also on YouTube. So, you know, follow, like, subscribe as applicable and please leave a review or a rating if you haven't done that already. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for and go to TomPetty.com for official merchandise. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member. They're excellent fan communities and they are well worth your time. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy and I'll be back with you next week to dig into the sensational Straight Into Darkness.
Bye-bye.